Michael Osterlink here, and I'm with Stu Smith. He's a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy, a former Navy SEAL, and author of several fitness books, such as The Complete Guide to Navy SEAL Fitness, The Special Ops Workout, and Tactical Fitness. He is currently the Special Ops Team Coach at the U.S. Naval Academy that prepares future candidates for SEALs, EOD, and MARSOC training. Stuart has trained thousands of students for the Navy, SEALs, Special Forces, SWAT, FBI, ERT, and other tactical professions. How you doing, Stu? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Been following your work for a long time, and as you can see, I have quite a few of your books. Oh, well, thanks. They've informed my training over the years. <laughs> cool. But uh, as an older guy, um, one of the things I want to talk to you about is one of your more relatively new books called Tactical Fitness for the Athlete Over 40. Yeah, so. <laughs> you know, I wrote that one. Um, Last summer, so it's only about six months old. Okay, and two thousand eighteen. Yeah, and typically, if you you know looking at these books that you have, you know Navy SEAL Fitness, you have Warrior Workouts, you have uh, Maximum Fitness. You know those tend to be kind of geared for the younger generations. You know, especially the people who are preparing to get to the training and through the training of whatever various selection program they're trying to do. So, I realized. Uh, I was probably neglecting a a market that has been with me for almost 20 years, you know, because I started doing this in 98. Wow. And, you know, now the guys that I initially wrote for are now 38, 48, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're, you know, they're getting older, you know, just like myself. So I wrote this program, uh, Tactical Fitness for the Athlete Over 40, and like I said, I I realized I was neglecting that market because it has been one of the, the better... Uh, selling books um, people are really digging it and and there's one main thing that I added to it I added several things but the most important thing that I added to the athlete over 40 was one day a week take out that workout that you had planned if you're a six day a week programmer which you know guys that are you know still in the business and really high intensity workouts take out one of those and make it a mobility day okay and it can be as relaxing. It can be. It can still be challenging. You could throw in some non-impact cardio in there. I typically like to do a five-minute non-impact cardio activity: swim, bike, elliptical, row, and then I do a five-minute stretch or foam rolling uh, cycle. And I do that five times. So it's an hour-long workout, mm-hmm. but still, really just focus on non-impact movement and. Uh, mobility and flexibility so it's it's life-changing <laughs> what happens uh, when you're 39 and one day away from 40 and you turn 40 that requires you to add in a, a day for uh, mobility well you know I guess it really depends on true. how hard your previous 20 years were uh-huh. you know because there are people who are kind of beginners that you know who've never really worked out that hard and start 40 probably might not need that yet however we're all aging, and as we age, you know, one thing that goes away if you don't actively pursue it, and that is your mobility and flexibility. So that that's why you know we still flex, we do flexibility and mobility throughout the week, but we make one day a central focus of that. The other thing that we do is we remind people, you're over 40 now, and you can't outwork your diet anymore. Okay. You know, whereas, you know, when we were in our 20s, you know, if I wanted a six-pack, I just worked out harder. It didn't matter if I was drinking beer. 
I was, you know, eating whatever I wanted. You know, I just worked out harder. It's hard to outwork your diet now. So, yes, something happens to the magical age of 40. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I saw it about 35, though I was really good uh, cardiovascularly at 35, probably peaked. And I, and I guess, statistically speaking, the average man can peak in their, you know, cardiovascular uh, performance in their mid 30s. Mm. So, cardiovascular was pretty good, but I, uh, I tell you, it was, I could see it coming. Like, I couldn't outrun the calories that I was bringing in. Mm-hmm. So I had to quit eating like I was 20, right you on. know, and just start eating a little smarter. So when you talk about a tactical athlete, how do how would you define that? Uh, that's one of my favorite questions to answer because I will tell you this, you know, I, I think the term athlete and the tactical professions kind of go hand in hand. There are some people that don't really think we're athletes, you know, if you're in the tactical professions, but you know, I have a firm belief that if you can treat yourself like an athlete, and I think all military, law enforcement, firefighters should treat themselves like athletes, take care of their bodies, because one day fitness is going to be a determining factor of you living or dying, your partner living or dying, or some victim you're trying to save living or dying. And that that's a lot to live with. I mean, that's how important fitness is in the tactical professions. You, you can't have one without the other. Uh, I completely agree with what you just said, but I'm wondering how how much those in the tactical professions see it that way. Uh, you know, that's a good question. They're, not that there's a lot of, um, you know, pushback from those terms. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people maybe have grown up and were never athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I would say I probably wasn't a great athlete growing up, um, but I worked harder than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Like I l- had to lift weights all through the summer if I was going to try to play football. You know, I had to, you know, practice baseball, you know, a little extra longer, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to, to make the baseball team. You know, so nothing was really given to me because I was a great athlete. I don't think I was. I think I just worked hard. So I don't think you need to be an athlete to be a tactical athlete. And you definitely don't need to be an athlete to be in top physical condition. And I think that's that's the most important key there is that, yeah, we call them tactical athletes because I think it's just a cool name. Mm-hmm. And I didn't make it up. You know, it's just it just kind of evolved. But I would say that, you know, if if the profession, the tactical professionals could think of themselves like athletes, they are doing themselves and their, you know, branch of the military, their police department their fire department a service by being healthy so you do a lot of training at the naval academy yes and you train young men who want to go navy special warfare or perhaps some of the marines who they want to go marsoc mm-hmm. and it, it makes sense that they have to be in top physical condition so when they go down range they can perform their jobs fluidly and functionally and do what they need to do absolutely but i'm wondering you know so you're talking about people in their 20s Right. So, but when these when these young men become a little older men in the thirties and forties, do they retain the the uh, knowledge, uh, the importance of physical fitness, or do you kind of see things teetering off? Well, you've been around for a while. So yeah, you know what? I would say program. it depends on the job. Mm-hmm. I think there is a culture of high level fitness, definitely in the special operations world. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not so much the regular 
service or maybe even the police and fire department. But if you look at a SWAT team group, yeah, yeah. it's a completely different, you know, they, they take fitness very ser- seriously. So I think it, it's just different cultures have these little subcultures of, you know, they have a good percentage of their people are in very good shape. Um, but all of them can seem to do the job requirements regardless of their conditioning. Now, the only problem with that is if you aren't healthy as well as fit for your job, you can, you know, the number one killer for firefighters is heart attacks. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you put on all your gear, you know, you got this high differential of temperature, you know, that mm-hmm. you're now getting exposed to and all of that stress and, you know, the physical stress, the emotional stress of, you know, doing the job, you know, it, people have heart attacks wow. with that. So. Well, yeah, you mentioned law enforcement as well as firefighters, and I'm, I'm wondering too, because I see... I have to imagine that men and women who join the police force have to be at some level of condition in order to make it through sure. the academy. But you see some of the police officers, either detectives or in their squad cars, cruising around after after maybe maybe a couple of years already on the job. They don't look like they're in the same shape that they would have have to have been early yeah. on. Yeah, you know what? To get to and through, and you know, I talk about the three phases of tactical fitness. You know, you have to get to the training. And you have to get through the training, and then you have an active section of of the rest of your your career, mm-hmm. right? So you're going to actually be older in your job than you are younger, right? If you mm-hmm. do this for 20 years, definitely. Um, so I tend to focus on getting to the training by passing a fitness test, mm-hmm. getting through the training by focusing on the specifics of whatever that selection program is, or police academy or fire academy is going to have the students doing. And then after that, I call it two through and after, really, and uh, after that training, it's the rest of your career. Now now you gotta stay in shape for the rest of your career, and that comes with sleepless nights, it comes with high-stress job, it mm-hmm. comes with some sedentary time if you're a police officer in, in, a, in a car for a good part of the day. Um, and unfortunately, it's, 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 a, it's a big snowball and then they all just kind of combine. Plus, there's no real, um, you know, fitness standard once they are active duty, okay. you know, in the police and fire departments. Now, they, they can get them to do it voluntarily, and there's some that do, and there's some that are staying very fit, you know, throughout their, their service because it's part of their life. But there, there's no requirement to, to maintain your job, you know, for being one of those. And, and it's, it's a lot to do with... Um, you know, the um, unions okay. of the police and fire department and their employment cycles. And, um, you know, they don't they, they don't want to kick somebody out for failing a fitness test. And if they do, that test has to be so validated um, that, you know, it's almost hard to find, you know, uh, that structured of a, a validation to um, find somebody. Because then it's going to be a lawsuit. Then it's going to be... So the city governments just can't afford that so it's, they just keep it are there any cities counties or states that go in the other direction like oh absolutely physical standards pretty high and they require it yeah ab- absolutely there are states that uh, have have programs um you know you, you're asking me right off the top of my head i can't anyway i know that um like new jersey's pretty tough okay, uh, they have some good standards and they're they're swat teams off the charts you know and you know maryland uh state police really good um 
you know, they tend to have a culture of physical fitness uh, versus uh, a requirement of it. But, you know, their SWAT team, once again, off the chart. You know, so these guys, um, it, it kind of depends on the job and it really depends on the culture. And sometimes that culture can come from the top down. Sometimes it can come from the group within and everybody, you know, is a part of that type of winning culture if, if they see it. You've written quite a few books on various tactical teams, um, and you brought you just recently just broke into three different sections. Uh, yeah, how you train people up. Um, talk about some of the different units or uh, teams that you that you teach people how to pass the PSTs and get through their selection process and retain their physical fitness throughout their throughout their career. Right. So uh, since I got out of the the Navy in '99. Um, I have been working out and writing about it with the tactical professions. And before I even started that, we didn't even call it tactical fitness. You know, it was military, law enforcement, and firefighter fitness. So it didn't really roll off the tongue very well. But uh, whenever they, they came up with the term tactical fitness, which is probably about 2007, 2008, Okay. I was like, oh, that is the best term ever. And I called my publisher up. I said, we got to write a book called Tactical <laughs> Fitness. Because <laughs> I got it written in my head already, you know. And, uh, yeah, and, and we kind of break it down into those three phases. And I kind of focused on all of my programming pretty much is the to and through phase. So if there's a fitness test out there, I've written about it. If there's a follow-on training program after that fitness test, I've written about it. And I usually combine the two into the same program. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I just focus on the fitness test. Sometimes I focus on the actual program. But, you know, nine times out of ten, you can do both at the same time. Um, But there are some people that, you know, it's so competitive to get into some of these programs that they have to crush the physical fitness test to get even to go to the training. Mm -hmm. And that's why the way I created it is – I wanted it to be three different training programs because a lot of people, especially in the military, they train for the fitness test, even when they're active duty, because every six months they have a fitness test. Probably not the best way to do it. You want to be training, you know, a different style of fitness that can help you do your job better. Because if you're an army guy, push-ups, sit-ups, and a two-mile run isn't enough to train you for your job, especially if you're an infantry guy, you know, so... Uh, but the cool thing about it is, you know, probably since the last 10 years, all these groups are now evolving into more functional style fitness tests. Like uh, the Army is uh, playing around with one right now that uh, th- they'll be finished. Uh, I think they, they implement it in October of this year, um, which it will have deadlifts in it. It have medicine ball throws. It has carries and sleds, you know, pulls and pushes. Um, still has the two-mile run. Which is fine. I, I think I think two and three mile runs are great because you know it, it shows you a certain level of cardiovascular conditioning mm-hmm. which can also help you, you know, be healthier right, you know, right, right, with right. just you know, having a, a stronger cardiovascular base. A lot of people don't necessarily like the long runs, but you know, I I've always been kind of I've always laughed about people who think a mile and a half or two miles is long distance. You know, it's it's not long distance, you know. It's a long distance right? is 10 plus, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. If you talk to a cross-country guy, 10 plus is not, you know, or a marathoner, 10 mm-hmm. plus is a warm-up. Right, right, right. You know, so it just depends on who you are, I guess. Right. 
Uh, but can you name some of the, the some of the uh, programs that you teach too? Because obviously, oh, sure. like buds for the for yep. the Navy Special Warfare. Yeah, you know, Naval Cat or Navy um, SEAL programs have uh, a test. In fact, it's pretty much for Navy, EOD, and diver, and the um, rescue swimmer all have the same mm. fitness test: mm. five hundred yard swim, pull up, push up, sit ups, mile and a half. So I write programs on that test, and pretty much any of those groups can pick up the program and work towards being a better competitive score, you know, on that test. Um, you know, the Army Rangers, FBI, Special Forces, Marine Corps, you know, regular Marine Corps, MARSOC, Recon. Um, let's see. I've, uh, oh, and I've also done, you know, things too because I get a lot of emails. And I'd say half of my emails are from kids. And I say kids being 18 to 25, you know, roughly. Um, and, you know, they, they need to lose 60 pounds to meet the height weight standards to join the military, okay. <clears throat> right? And I'd say that's about half of my emails that come in. So I've created a, a list of beginner programming as well for people that just need to focus on weight loss, you know, but getting in shape at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do that with, you know, variety. You know, I wouldn't take a 280-pound guy and say, all right, we got to get ready for this run. Let's go run, you know. So I, I'd help them lose weight maybe do some non-impact cardio first, you know, and, you know, their knees will thank me later, Yeah, yeah. you know, and their back, mm-hmm. you know, and so we get them down to a, you know, suitable weight and then start progressing a running program. So now they're meeting the standards, they're going to be burned calories at a higher rate, you know, and then next thing you know, they're, they're within, you know, Army or Air Force fitness standards and height weight standards, and they're serving. And I tell you what, out of all the people I've trained, and I've trained every special ops guy there is, you know, and I got them from 10 pull-ups to 25 pull-ups. And, but I tell you what, I, I have to say, I get more enjoyment and probably, um, I guess, fulfillment out of taking a guy who's 280, 200, 300 pounds and get them down to under 200, and now they're serving their country in a job that they once thought was they're never going to be there. Nice. You know, that that is where I think... I, I really enjoy my time. You know, not that I dis, you know, don't enjoy working out with hard charging, you know, guys that are advanced that want to be more advanced. I love that too. But um, it, it's it's quite a sight to see when, when the kid finally gets there. And, you know, it, it's, it's very emotional almost. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like, you know, when you, you know, see somebody, you know, you know uh, given the oath to, you know, American citizenship ceremony you know if they're just so proud to do it you know and it's just that's awesome you know yeah so i would say that's that's something that i really enjoy that's a good segue because i want to ask you more of a cultural question and uh, you had mentioned uh, in our previous conversation that you saw this trend happening in the 90s that uh, a larger number of american youth are unable to pass basic physical fitness forget special operations units, physical fitness tests, just basic physical fitness to join the big army, big navy. Oh, absolutely. Force. What, do you, what, what do you think is going on with our culture? <sighs> I don't know. It, like I said, I've seen it since the 90s, so it's nothing new. Yep. You know, this is just something that is. Um, uh, yeah, I think it, it might start as, as all the way back from, you know, the reduction of physical fitness classes in grade school. Mm. You know, because it used to, Physical, I remember grade school and middle school and high school PE classes. I mean, they were legit, 
you know, climbing ropes and, yep, yep, you know, we yep. had an obstacle course <laughs> we had to do and, you know, it was always playing some sport, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, um, I think that helps, you know, I think not having that and replacing it with, you know, something else, which we also need, you know, we, we need more math, we need more science, you know, I'm not arguing with why they're dumping physical education to increase, you know, some of the more technological, you know, needs of, of our future, but, you know, if we're not going to be healthy, what's the point? Um, but I, I would say it starts there. Um, I think, um, you know, obviously the more video games kids play mm-hmm. and, um, you know, there's just so many things now than there were back when I was a teenager that are just hard, you know, that are just pure sedentary enjoyment. Like, I... I I remember playing video games in the eighties, but I had Atari. I had to ride my bike. I had to ride my bike to the game, you know, the the uh, arcade oh, okay, to yeah. go play video uh-huh. games, and then ride my bike back home. So at least I was getting something, uh-huh. you know. So I'm not knocking video games. Back in the day when there's only Miss Pac-Man, right? Exactly. I, I even won Pac-Man tournaments. I mean, I was in the zone, but you know, that's why I don't knock it because uh-huh. I think there's some skills, you know, to be had from hand-eye coordination and things like that. But you got to balance it. You know, too much of one thing is. Is not good. You know, just like I have kids that I have to pull the reins on because they're working out too hard. Too much. You know, they're hurting themselves or they're, you know, not seeing the the growth that they should, you know, with a couple rest days in there. You know, they don't know what a rest day is, you know. So, uh, you know, too much of any one thing I think is is killing, will will kill a culture. And Mm -hmm. I think right now it's just we're too sedentary as a culture, whether it's television or it's video games or or whatever. But I I don't think it's... um, yeah, like I said, it's nothing new because in the '90s I was seeing it, you know, with kids coming into the Navy, um, you know, not being able to pass the physical standards on day one, but then by the end of boot camp they were able to reach the minimum standards, which unfortunately that just keeps you at the minimum standard. If that if that's your goal is to reach these minimum standards, now you're in a tactical profession, reaching the minimum standards, and that's your that's your capstone. I mean, yeah, right, right. that's your goal. Right, right. You know, you're you're. You're just setting yourself up for failure in the future or injury or, you know, maybe not being able to perform your job if it becomes really physical and saving someone's life or your own life. How did you go from uh, a fog man to fitness? What was that transition? You know, that's, that's a funny question. I'm, I've, I've always loved fitness. I probably started working out. In fact, I know I started working out when I was 12 years old. One of my 12-year-old Christmas presents was a 110-pound weight set, concrete weights. Oh, my you know, God. Uh, from, you know, Sears catalog, uh-huh. right? That's all I wanted was a 12-year, with a weight set, 110 pounds with a bench and a barbell. And I was so excited, and I started lifting weights when I was 12 years old. I nice. bought books. I bought Joe Weider books. Yep. You know, back then, in the 80s, it was all bodybuilding. You uh-huh. know, there, there was no, nothing else. But then by the time I got to high school, we started powerlifting, and so sort of athletic training and things like that. So my education evolved quite a bit with, with other sports and then just loved it and I, I was always you know my I was always a kid who liked writing so my my dad was a newspaper publisher and my mom's an editor she's also an English teacher mm-hmm. so I, it had it just came easy you know um, I mean one I always had a had an editor you know so I always did real well <laughs> in English papers you better and I uh, always had an editor right there that showed me how to do it right uh-huh. and told me how you know so I think 
year after year after year of just learning how to write, you know, I realized I was a good writer. Um, and it just seemed like a natural fit because I love fitness, I love writing. Um, and it just, I just, I just needed something to write about. And I was like, all right, let's write about working out. I seem to like that enough. Cool. So, yeah. And how many books have you written? Uh, well, I have 10 published books and I have almost 40 self-published books now. Wow. So, yeah. That's, um, that's a lot. Now, that's the reason awesome. why I have so many self-published books is that, you know, no publisher is going to publish a book and try to sell it and try to get it printed and, you know, you know, of the FBI fitness test workout, you know, or the <laughs> Coast Guard rescue swimmer yeah. workout. You know, it, it needs a broader audience, okay. you know, for, you know, somebody, a publisher to want to publish it. But, you know, the ones I do publish are pretty popular. Publisher likes them. And, uh, you know, so I've had a long-term relationship with this publisher since... Okay. You know, since ninety nine to two thousand. So, so uh, we're in two thousand eighteen. So if 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 the two thousand eighteen Stu was looking back on the at the ninety nine two thousand Stu, what lessons have you learned? Like, not that you were wrong back then, but like, how is your thinking? That's expanded? a really good one. First of all, I would invest in Apple. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's what I would tell myself. Invest in Apple. Um, but, uh, no, I would say this. I, I think, um, you know, I came from a powerlifting football background. And so my foundation was a powerlifting football player. And so I knew my weaknesses when I was, especially as I was in the in late 80s, early 90s, preparing for SEAL training. Um, I knew I needed to be a better cardiovascular stamina machine versus a powerlifting football player. So... I just quit lifting for a couple of years and just ran and did triathlons and, you know, just played around with the cardiovascular side. I mean, I still lifted a little bit, but I turned all my lifts into calisthenics Okay. and just dips, pull-ups, squats, lunges, and just tried to turn my strength and power body into a more endurance, muscular stamina body. Now, when I first started, that was one of my first books, that one right there, the Navy SEAL Fitness. And you see, it's all... It's all calisthenics, it's all running, it's all swimming. Um, and it was kind of like my answer to Navy SEAL fitness. But it's not the answer because if I have a guy who's a cross-country runner and a swimmer who wants to go to Bud's, well, running and swimming is not his weakness. Mm -hmm. Like mine, it was mine. It's going to be, he's probably going to get crushed under a log mm -hmm. and under a boat, you know, because he just doesn't have the you know, strength and, um, you know, musculature and, you know, just foundation of strength to handle some of those stresses. Whereas they weren't that much stressful for me coming from that background. I, I, every log PT I did, though I never enjoyed, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they were easy either. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I felt like I just left a weight room workout. I was like, oh, I feel kind of pumped up. You know, I felt pretty good, you know, um, and I was glad to be setting the log down, don't get me wrong, but they never crushed me. But whereas I would see the cross country guy who would kick my butt in every run, you know, by four minutes, you know, a four mile time run, he would beat most of the class by four minutes, but he'd just get crushed under the log. Or if he had a boat on top of his head, just getting, you know, just beat up. Even with a marathon runner, isn't, you know, running unencumbered by the stress of of, of, of uh, people around you yelling and screaming and making you do crazy stuff all, all hours of the day and night, I have to imagine that, that 
even a good runner or a good swimmer might not do as well under those conditions as if you're just running a path or biking a path, right? Uh, good point. Um, but there were always, you know, with training, there's always a physical standard you have to meet. And for me, to meet that standard, it was kind of my personal gut check. Whereas for the runner, he could kick back, you know, instead of running a five-minute mile, he could run a six-and-a-half-minute mile and still beat everybody in the class. You know, whereas I was, I was pushing hard to run a seven-minute mile for four miles. You know, so everybody has a weakness. And that's what I've learned since now and then is that every person who goes to BUDS is going to have some form of weakness, and they're not all the same. So the different programming is required for the guy who's the former powerlifting you know, athlete. And the different programming is going to be you know, for the guy who's the endurance athlete. Um, maybe the wrestler is going to have a different uh, than the baseball player. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have a different um, you know, history of athletics that are going to help determine um, where you stand on that initial fitness test and then from there you 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 assess your weaknesses and say all right i got to really work on the push-ups and the sit-ups you know if you're an endurance guy if you're the you know if you're the powerlifting football player you may need to work on all of it because you just don't have that muscle endurance to do it but you don't have the cardiovascular endurance to do it either and it may take more time so that's where i came up with the volume two to that one is the navy seal weight training workout because people used to think i don't like weight training just because of that book, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. right? Because there's no weight training in it, you know. And it was just, it was just what I did and what I've seen many people do, you know, to prepare for training with that program. And uh, so I wanted to create how you would implement weight training into it because you, we, you need to. I mean, there needs to be, you know, some a foundation of strength that is built around all the other elements of fitness and when mm-hmm. i say that you got strength you got power you have endurance you have muscle stamina you have um, speed and agility you have mobility and flexibility all of those really kind of need to be incorporated and that's where tactical fitness comes in <clears throat> and then tactical strength and tactical mobility all of those come in to answer those uh, programming questions putting them all into one uh, program that and we even created a test so all of those elements of fitness that I just mentioned are actually tested versus push-ups, sit-ups, and a two-mile run, you're going to get some muscle stamina and you're going to get some cardiovascular endurance. Nothing else, really. Right, 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 I mean, right. you're going to get some strength to a degree. But uh, that's, that's how we um, it, it kind of evolved since then. Besides assessing strengths and weaknesses when you're programming for uh, someone... Um, how about the mental, emotional side? What do you what do you look for, Ooh. and how do you train that? That's a good one because they typically come and you know throughout the process. So immediately, I can't, you know, unless I call it stupid questions, right? And you know, if I get somebody who's just asking a lot of stupid questions that it doesn't, and I, it used to say there's no such thing as a stupid question, but I've been in this business too long to. To realize that that's that's not true. <laughs> true. There are a lot of stupid questions, and usually a stupid question. What I mean by that is not that the guy's stupid; it's that my answer would not help him, regardless of the answer. Okay. You know, for instance, say, what are we going to be running our mile and a half on when we get to training? Right, like what surface? Oh. Are we going to run it on a track? Are we going to run it on the road? I'm like, are we going to run it on the beach? I was like, 
it doesn't matter. You still got to run a mile and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, be, be be prepared for all of it. Right, right, you right. know, and okay. so it's mm-hmm. there's there's a that that's how I would you know determine. Or another type of stupid question is something that is easily searched on Google, right? Okay. If somebody says, "Hey, what's the I vision standards for being a Navy SEAL?" You know, that is easily referenced on you can even ask Siri and I bet you would know. <laughs> okay. you know? uh-huh. so you don't have uh-huh. to ask me those questions right right yeah um, have you tracked the young men who've gone through your program to see who's being able to accomplish uh, the goals of like getting through selection things along those lines and in doing so is there a personality type that you've noticed that more successful than others Ooh. or is there any variables of stand out for an individual you'd be like I think this guy will make it because of X Mm. You know what? I I kind of got out of that uh, fortune-telling business mm-hmm. a long time ago because I've seen people who I thought were going to crush training. Physically, not a problem. But something happened, and it didn't work out. Could have been a girlfriend. Could have been the cold water. Mm-hmm. Could have been an instructor yelling at them. You know, something, something got them. Didn't work. Um, and I've seen people where I was like, you, you probably could use another year of training to you know, get there and they get, they make it through. Mm. So, you know, you can't measure someone's heart. That, that's what I tell all the time. And, you know, sure you can with a heartbeat and an EKG <laughs> and all that. So that's what you mean, though. But, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, not yeah. what I'm talking about. I'm yeah. talking about, you know, someone's will, you know, someone's determination to not quit, you know, never quit attitude type of thing. So I can't really tell, you know, to be honest with you. Um, now, I have had a really good success with my folks, but I, I think it's part of my programming, but it's also part of the program. Because I run a program called Heroes of Tomorrow out in town, and also have a program, um, you know, that's, it's really the same program that I run at the Naval Academy for the kids that want to be, you know, special ops guys. And most of the kids that find me are want to be special ops. And when I say kids, they're high school graduates or college graduates, so they're in that 18 to 24 age group um and we we have quite a success rate but i think it's you know the programming yes mm-hmm. works but the guys that show up for their first day they are seeing guys who've been there for six months 10 months 12 months and these guys are just so hard i mean they're just like tearing everything up they're not getting tired and the guys from day one are like wow I gotta really up my game if I want to be like that. Then they also see the guys who come back and who already are in special ops programs come back to visit. You know, because we're at their home pretty much, and so they're coming back to visit home. They'll stop by the workout, and we'll have an Army SF guy there. We'll have a Marsoc guy. We'll have two or three Navy SEALs that are there and doing the workouts, and and they see that you know that guy who's there for their first time. They see that this program actually works mm-hmm. and these people are making it, they're coming back, you know, and I think part of it is you have to see it to believe it Okay. sometimes, mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. in yourself. Um, I was lucky when I went to the Naval Academy, I remember being a freshman and I met the first guy, hadn't even met my first SEAL yet, but I met the first guy that wanted to be a Navy SEAL. And I, I was talking to him the other day and I reminded him of this and uh he was running circles around the platoon while we were doing a, a run, you know, around the around the academy, and he had like backpack on, and, <laughs> uh-huh. and he stopped and do push-ups, and you know, when he was out running us, he'd stop and do push-ups until he we caught up to him. I mean, he was just sick, sick in shape. And I said, "Wow, if I 
I really want to do this as a job when I graduate. I I need to up my game yeah, a yeah. lot. Uh-huh. And uh, so I did, you know, and I think that, you know, seeing the guys in front of you all make it through, seeing the guys the next year in front of you all make it through. Um, I think that has a, a profound, uh, leaves a profound mark on, I think, your confidence, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. you, you realize, all right, they're just like me. You know, I, they, he did it. I can do it. And right. you have that mentality of going further. So I think a lot of people who don't make it through such special ops programs are typically um, people who maybe not have had that um, interaction with people making it. But we, we have a lot of people that are going through various special ops training right now. And we're usually in between the 88 to 95 graduation rate. Mm. Uh, depending on the school, but also depending on the year. Um, last year, we sent four, 15 guys to Buds and 14 made it. Wow, nice. Um, and this year, we I think we have five that are all in the same class right now. So and they're about to finish up. So, yeah, it's r- really cool. So That's it's, a, cool. it's right, right. I, I think um, as long as I, I can keep the over 50%, I'm happy, uh-huh. you, you know, but... Um, you know, now after doing this for so long, I almost expect 100% graduation rate. Hmm. And I think that's a, as a trainer and as a student who sees the trainer who expects 100% graduation rate, it, it, it once again leaves another, you know, profound mark on inside right, right. that guy's confidence mm-hmm. and like, all right, there's no reason why I can't do this. Right. You know, and I think that is probably, uh, one of the most important things you can carry into that training is is a certain level of confidence that you're ready. So if uh, folks are interested in learning more about your work, your multiple books, I know you have some apps I want you to talk about too. Oh, okay. So yeah. where can people find more about your programming, your books, and then talk a little bit about your apps? Sure. Uh, well, I'm at stewsmith.com, S-T-E-W-S-M-I-T-H. I also have a just a pure bookstore, stewsmithfitness.com. It's got a little blog post on there as well, but... Uh, I have a podcast now. It's on. It's called the Tactical Fitness Report. Um, got it on my YouTube channel as well as on my YouTube channel. There's uh, countless videos of me teaching swimming. Uh, so it's a good place to learn that combat swimmer stroke if you need to learn. Um, Amazon sells my books right, too. Right. Um, you know, of course. Um, but yeah, the apps. You know, it's funny. I had had these two college kids a- approach me. And they, they wanted to build an app. And I said, well, I'm not, I don't really want to build an app. So <laughs> what do you have in mind? Yeah. And I said, they were giving me an idea. I said, well, here, here's what I think, if it's going to work in my market. And it was uh, you know, a push-up, pull-up app. Maybe uh, I have this one article out there, two articles out there called the pull-up push and the push-up push, which helps people in a 14-day period. Typically, fifty to one hundred percent increase in their in their repetitions for a two minute test, which is pretty significant. You know, it depends on where they're starting out. Obviously, uh, you know, somebody doing five pull ups can double their pull ups pretty easily in two weeks, whereas somebody who's at twelve be a little different. You know, mm-hmm. to double it. Um, but uh, yeah, so on the App Store, you know, I uh, you know the regular App Store they they're on sale. Google Play uh, sells them. Um, how would they look them up? Um, if you did a Stu Smith push-up app, okay. Stu Smith pull-up app, that would show up. Uh, I have a Navy SEAL fitness app that has 120 
little mini vi videos in it of all these you know seal exercises uh also has a in-app purchase if you want to buy like a 24-week program you can do that it's a, it's in there um and I have an FBI one too for the FBI test. So, and basically the FBI test was just an ebook that I said, here, turn this into an app to this college okay. kid. He goes, okay, I'll do that. And he turned it into That's an cool. app. And I said, you know what? Here's the deal. If you do this, because I'm not going to pay you anything to do this, right? So here's the deal for you. Because I didn't want to do it anyway, right? Um, I'll split everything with you 50 50. Nice. So I, I did that with all my apps. So okay. didn't have to pay for them. And uh -huh. now, you know, the guys are just selling apps throughout college and, and they're, they're making an extra, you know, thousand bucks a month or something. You That's know, cool. so it's nice. They're, nice. they're happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we they, they started their own little business of making apps for people that way. So, so that, yeah, that, that's been a lot of fun. Uh, and then, of course, books, podcasts, apps. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's, awesome. that's, that's uh, and social media. Yeah, I'm all over Twitter, oh. Oh, uh, yeah, Instagram. Yeah, you can find me out there too. You also write for military.com? Yes, yeah, I write for military.com. So if you, um, want, if you yeah. go to military.com and look up your name, you can find all the articles you've Oh, written. absolutely. Okay. I've, you know, I've been writing for them since 2003. Yeah. So um, that's, uh, I have about a thousand articles on military.com. So it's, it can inundate you unless you do a specific. If you, if you want to see something I wrote and you're at looking for a specific topic, maybe put push-ups, Stu Smith. You know, okay, and uh -huh. you'll see articles written about it. You'll see the app up there, you know, okay, cool. whatever you need to. Combat Swimmer Stroke, Stu Smith. You'll see the YouTube channel and all the coaches. So, yeah. So if you're looking for something, Google will show you. <laughs> Back to Google. <laughs> Knows everything. Well, Stu, thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate thank you. Your time. This is awesome.